Strixhaven has been fully spoiled, and with a set that is trying to balance the high fantasy aesthetics of the game with the grounded relatable setting of school life, there's sure to be interesting and flavorful mechanics on the cardboard. Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And Strixhaven has been fully spoiled, including, as of 1.30 this morning UK time, the last Commander deck, which was spoiled by the amazing, fantastic Loading Already Run. Um, you didn't catch the whole stream, you did catch the Commander reveal, though, didn't you? I did indeed, yeah. yeah. For yeah. what I've learned over the last 24 hours, patience is a virtue, um, yeah. and uh, commander, the, these Commander decks are sick. These Commander decks are sick. I watched the um, the showcase that they did, which they because they obviously get the product a little bit ahead of time. So so they did the pre-record commander game with Ben, Serge, Adam, and uh, Graham playing the four decks that weren't the Witherbloom one. Did I say the Golgari deck as well just now? I really, I, if you did, I didn't notice, which makes me feel like you didn't, because I feel like I would have noticed if you didn't. If you <laughs> if did, I did I and apologize. I didn't notice, I'm really angry at myself. <laughs> well, I'm angry at myself too. Anyway, so they played all the, uh, the four decks other than the Witherbloom one, and these decks are brilliant and also the editing they'll put it probably put it up on youtube go watch that commander game because it's a webcam game but the way that they've edited it like it's just flawless it's seamless you wouldn't know about it anyway yeah, cool. we're not here to talk about commander specifically <laughs> um we're here to do our second of our three strixhaven episodes where we go through this time the flavor and the mechanics on the cards themselves so the last week we did a world building episode where we spoke about the entire world of our caveos and uh strixhaven I, oh, I'm, always, I'm always tempted to say our caveat it's definitely Arcavios, isn't it? It is, yeah. Arcavios yeah. does ring a bell, though. That's definitely mm. something. Anyway, we did a world-building episode, and we spoke a lot about the mechanics and about uh, a lot of the lore and world-building of the, of the plane and the school. And this week, we are looking at what they are represented like on the cards. So we're doing a little bit of crossover. There's always a little bit of um, sort of repeating or going over stuff last week or expanding. Um, and there are some stuff that we could probably talk about today, but we actually spoke about last week, like the the kind of flavor of the mechanics themselves. Um, but this is we're concerned now that we have all the cards. We want to see actually what's on the paper. What are we going to have on our battlefields in front of us? And I mean, there's just so much going on in this set. Like there's so much going on. We could do four episodes of this, I feel. Yeah, this, this set's got, I mean, it was really hard to like narrow down. Like, um, I mean, we would like waffling anyway, obviously it's, that's no great secret. Um, <laughs> but yeah, was, there's a lot of things I had to be really strict about like what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to get into. Um, again, like there's so much nuance, so much vibrancy in this deck, not only from visuals, but also from a design point of view. I think it's this again, super dense. I think all of the sets going forwards, um, we said this every set since Hell Drain, I think all the sets going forwards are likely to be really dense, have a lot mm. of intricacies to it. So we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to do that that gold that gold top aspect where you just get the creme. Just just skim yeah. the creme. Um because yeah. there's plenty of juicy milk underneath it. Juicy milk. Oh, oh god, Nathan. Right, move on. <laughs> So if you are excited about a specific card or a specific aspect of the flavour on the cardboard, dear listener, uh, you know, intrepid fan of the show, and you can't wait to hear us talk about the card that you specifically love, um, it's probably not going to happen. Because yeah, <laughs> every card is great. <laughs> so we'll get into that. So there are some tricky elements, and we are going to talk about this uh, later in the episode. We will be addressing the silver quill problem mm. uh, at near the end of the episode. That's going to be like my third pick. So we've done three picks each. Uh, we've got a couple of honourable mentions, and we'll talk about our very, very favourite commander card as well, now that we have all five decks. Um, but yeah, just... 
as you say, we're going to have to just do our personal favourites because otherwise we're going to be doing three episodes and they're going to be four hours each. And while some people like that, um, I need to go to work this week, so I can't <laughs> edit mm. them. Um, so yeah, all right, let's just dive into it. Let's just get going. Um, do you want to go first? What's your What's your honourable mention? We've got a couple of honourable honourable <laughs> mentions. So my honourable mention is Hall Monitor. Because, because, because <laughs> it's 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 a lizard. He's a whole. It's just so stupid, but it's so succinct. Anyway, I mean, I love pun cards, and there's a lot of like it'll it'll roll into my first point as well. But whole monitor just makes me smile. I, I mean, as much as yeah, okay, um, you can get a hall pass from it, which is you know the one and the red tap activate to um, make target creature can't block this turn, um, and it's a one one for uh, for one that's got haste. It's a lizard shaman hall monitor. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's great. Like everything about it is fantastic. I'm glad they managed to fit in a few of these little like school tropes, um, and the fact they yeah. made it a lizard is just genius. Um, yeah, I can't I can't help but love it. Uh, it serves the function as well as the nice little red drop that gets gets your creatures in, so um, works functionally um, flavor wise. It's a home run. <laughs> yeah, no complaints. More like that, please. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, my honorable mention is not a flavor pick. It's it, it's a card that I looked at it. I thought it was a flavor fail, and then I just I remembered why it's in this set, and I'll, I'll unpack that in a second. So it's a Tome Shredder, which is a two generic and a red for a two two creature wolf with haste. Uh, tap exile instant and sorcery card from your graveyard. Put a one one counter on Tome Shredder, and then the flavor text reads: uh, Quintorius, I would you care to explain why you didn't complete your homework? Uh, and that was a quote by Augusta Lawhold Dean, and it shows a wolf ripping up a book so it's this idea that this wolf is ripping up your spells and it's getting bigger now the joke is is that it's it's the classic hijink school hijink phrase of oh my dog ate my homework hilarious um <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't sound like you think it's hilarious well i mean like, i think it's hilarious <laughs> that's the most like dennis the menace joke i've ever had in my life yeah. but whatever but but the idea is, is that it's a wolf that's eating your homework and i looked at it and i stared at this card for like a good 30 seconds when i first saw it and went but they have dogs in magic they have literal dogs in magic why is this a wolf not a dog that seems like the most crowbar flavor fail i've ever seen in my life and then i remembered my tiny lizard brain did some calculations. Innistrad's at the end of the year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this is a mechanical in- insert because they yeah. want to have a standard set in which Strixhaven <laughs> syncs up with the creature tribes of Innistrad. And so they mm-hmm. had to make it a wolf and not a dog. Yeah, makes sense. Also, yeah. I guess there's going to be like a discard theme, I imagine, in Innistrad there always is, and if the exiles and the sorceries from the graveyard. So yeah, this is potential. I don't necessarily think you'll there'll be... This again, I hope there's a wolf tribal that isn't just werewolf tribal. That also well, no, no, well, no, like all this. the cards, all the cards are going to say like for every werewolf and wolf well, that yeah. you control, like they did in the last set. But anyway, it was just one of those little things where I looked at it and went, Whoever did this is an hmm. idiot. And then I realized, Oh no, I'm the idiot because I don't realize that EDH isn't the only format. <laughs> sure, I would also be annoyed if they randomly put dogs in every set. Like, I didn't mind dogs being in the core set because that was like whatever plane that specific core set was around, it worked. I feel like if dog dog feels like a step too close, right? And I feel like if they put that in everything, it would feel a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, sure. Anyway, those are our honorable mentions. Um, let's go on to our proper picks. Uh, so, as I said, we got like three general picks each they're not necessarily always going to be specific cards uh they could be artists or art styles or maybe just concepts in general because i can't stick to a format that i like so there we go um but what's your first flavor pick from strixhaven uh so i 
the first thing I wanted to look at was like the day-to-day cards. Um, and this is like mostly like the learn um, and lesson cards. So the thing I like about these is that this is like flavor specific to the set. Um, it's mechanically specific to the set because again, like lessons and learn isn't something you can really use outside um, of Strixhaven. It's a bit gimmicky towards Strixhaven and it works. And we've talked about this last week at how mechanically it's all very succinct and, synony- and synergistic and, it, and it's, it's fantastic. It all works. What I like in from, an, from a ma- macroscopic point of view is things like mm. pop quiz. Um, or go blank um, and these are I mean go, pop, go, go, pop quiz versus go blank pop quiz is a card that can only really come in this set and it's an instant two and a blue draw a card then learn um, now in within the set learn allows you to go and search for a lesson out of your like your wish board as it were your lesson board um, mm. whereas in normal um, in formats where you're not using that um, or you kind of think do it alternatively anyway if you've run out of lessons is discard a card to then draw a card now interestingly mechanically this is the first time we've ever seen a card that does draw a card then discard a card and draw a card on it which is actually quite interesting is really powerful ability at instant to have that access to go cool draw a card and then get rid of something and then get another one into your hands quite strong um, go blank compared to that doesn't have anything to do with lessons or anything. This idea that when you're... And I do this all the time in the podcast of where I'll be in the middle of a thought mm. and my thought will just collapse in my head a little <laughs> bit. I've written too much scripts on the page and I've got halfway through the point and I'm like, I can't remember what words mean anymore. Um, and the idea is it's two and a black. Just, just, um, you make a, your opponent discard two cards and then exile all cards from all, li- um, all uh, graveyards. A really strong, again, really powerful ability, really succinct. But this idea of just halfway through a sentence going blank, just, just it's, it's so it's, it's synonymous <laughs> to my myself so sure. much um and then there are other little ones that i like like um first day of class this idea of and i remember this when i first went to uni of like for the first like few weeks before you know the alcohol and the misery of of, of um of lessons and lectures caught up with me i say a few weeks like it took a good couple of years before you get to like last year and you're like i don't want to be here anymore the pressure of education <laughs> is getting to me but i remember like the first few weeks is uh every day you're like oh my god i get to go and meet my new friends and go and do new classes and there's plus one plus one and haste uh, to creatures that come in and then the again the learning a lesson aspect also really cool um again i just like the fact of first day of class like it just creates it sets the stage for the card really really well and again i'm yeah. annoyed that these kinds of cards um aren't able to be flexible outside of uh, strict savings some of them specifically um mm. things like pop quiz i think is a nice it could go in other places but obviously again I don't mind flavor when it's specifically tied to a plane and tied to the mechanics within the card because it makes those cards feel like they were curated more, right? Instead of just mm. going generic spell, you know, yeah. like that's what um, core sets are for, right? Right, exactly. And you're going to get onto this a little bit later. I mentioned with some of the silver quill, like some of the specificity in their wording really grounds the spells within Strixhaven, but some of them are still able to be used outside of that. Semester's End's a really good um, um, example of like again fulfilling that. Um, f- school flavor of exiling all creatures or planeswalkers. Uh, your creatures come back in with a plus one plus one counter. They've graduated. Your your planes your planeswalkers come back in with another plus one plus one counter. They've graduated. This mm. idea, I, I like it quite a lot. As well as I like the idea of semesters end. Like everyone flunks off, don't they, at the end to go and party a little early. <laughs> so I like that idea <laughs> sure. of it. Kind of plays into both sides of it. Um, I think the biggest one that gets me for this though is flunk, um, and it's a. Um, oh, bear with me. I forgot the mana cost up. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. Professional podcasting. Yeah, fucking hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there's a lot. There's a lot to prepare. Okay, and I didn't want my page to be just paint, um, just loads and loads of pictures. Um, there we go. Flunk. So one and a black for an instant. Target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is seven minus the number of cards in that creature's controller's hand. That's a mm. lot of words, but basically it means the smarter your opponent is, the less likely you can kill their creature. The less mm. knowledgeable they are, the more likely they are for their creature to flunk the class. 
which mm. I think is really clever. And it's also more maths on one card than any of the Quandrix cards put together. Just saying <laughs> that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting off this, this hill. I'm pissed off at the lack of maths in Quandrix. Okay? In the and, main uh, set, for sure. I will say, yes. uh, we'll put this little disclaimer for our like main picks. What we've done is we've stuck to doing the main Strixhaven set for our top three, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Commander sets at the end. But I will mm. say in the Commander product for the Quandrix deck... Uh, I was talking to a lot of people the other day, like uh, at work, about it, and <laughs> there is so much doubling going on that actually it, it might just make games unbearable. <laughs> so maybe um, I mocked last week that timesing by two is like such a simple thing. It turns out you can get the Google plexes of of numbers, like after three or four cards being in play. Maybe just timesing by two is enough because well, <laughs> clearly double, doubling's yeah, fine. Grow. It's when you start having to square stuff and like oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. And again, I this is one thing. Good little side note is that there's some serious flavor in the commander decks that didn't necessarily get into the main set, which is really strange because the main set feels like it's got a lot of nuance, but there's some really on the nose flavor in the commander sets, which I really like because it bridges the two together really nicely mm. um, whereas typically sometimes you don't get um the, the the commander decks don't feel like they're from the plane whereas mm. these commander decks not only feel like they're really from the plane they sometimes feel like they represent the other aspects of the colors and the other aspects of the colleges slightly better than they were able to do in the court in the main set because the main set has to have typical functionality instead of having every card be some quirky off the walls pile of nonsense words i suppose um, it uh, it ties back into what we were just saying about tome shredder is that it has to function in a larger meta as well it can't just be like exactly insular yeah it's got to be able to play in standard with other sets going forwards and backwards and i think they maybe push the envelope slightly too far when you look at some certain cards like uh, we'll get into this in a second um on my second pick but there are some serious aspects of complications of the game that i think is fine that they, they they stopped where they did and they put the rest of it into the command set so yeah i just like the fact there's some really nice succinct bits of flavor some of the some of the card names like field trip gets you a land and you learn a lesson like, I'm like, yeah, cool. I mean, that's exactly what I'd expect a field trip to do. Like, well done, good job. Um, yeah, again, I like that but... you've I like that you've picked very sort of like low to the ground, uh, like school tropey ones. Because I looking at my picks, I largely ignored that for stuff that's a bit more uh, like expansive ideas for what magic mm. can do, kind of thing. But really, like that's kind of that's kind of ignoring the the set for what it is, which is what you've done, which is they've taken a load of very relatable tropes and they've really represented them on the cards, like mm-hmm. really well and efficiently as well and there's very few duds there are a couple because it's a game and they have to make it function but for the most part they've really nailed it yeah i think the only thing i think is a hang-up is maybe some of the cards feel very similar to like say um kylem kind of looking cards especially with the stadium in the background maybe they feel i think they're the only ones for me that i looked at i was like "Eh, yeah cool whatever move on like i don't care about that battling arena see no i wonder because that's the thing that a lot of people have said and in fact a lot of people Mm. who aren't maybe as invested in the the deep lore of it have kind of asked us like in person or on twitter or on our like groups or whatever is this set on the same plane as battle bond because like it should have been and i wonder if that's because a lot of the game designers were like people really loved battle bond we're not planning to do battle bond really anytime soon again what can we do uh this strixhaven set maybe will have a few aesthetic nods to that especially because will and rowan are there i wonder i wonder Mm. if it's kind of like yeah battle bond light for us I agree, and also I feel like they needed to add an aspect of sport to the college for it to feel like it completes. I guess in England we don't necessarily have that big sports fan side of things. We don't necessarily have the baseball. T- I mean, that's a lie because we had varsity. At our no, but what right? we don't have, we don't have the college scene which the US does because the US yeah. have like their college sports are like televised, and you have like the Rose Bowl, which is 
which has more like views and attendances than most like European sporting events that are at yeah. a professional level. So yeah, we don't have quite the same thing, even though we do have varsity and sort of like intercity mm. uh, rivalries so, and stuff. Exactly. So I feel like they needed to have that aspect of some aspect of sport in there, and it kind of ticked both boxes, right? It was like, okay, mm. we kept this kept wizardy. It still has that hint of battle bond. And yes, you could argue that this all could have been on Argrim. Question mark is the plane for battle bond. Argrim. Kylum. Spelling. Kylum. Ky- 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 Why did I say Kylum? Ky- yeah, good God. Gyrum's the yeah. spirit plane from Ravnica, isn't it? That's it. There we go. I don't. Words goes fantastic. Oh, Tease kicking in. Oh no! Oh I no! At least it's not public. At least it's not. You know. At least the audience doesn't get to hear that. At least yeah. At least I won't out, use right? this as the yeah. uh, clip on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, you bastard. Anyway, but yeah, that, as you say, I like this fact that balance. They balance the big, broad strokes um, of flavor, and then they also kept like the day-to-day aspect to it. I think that's what mm-hmm. really sells this set. Cool. Yeah. yeah come off to you. Nice. Well, I'm going to go for something a bit more expensive, um, and something I think they just just it fooled me so many times the first few times I looked at this card, even though I knew what the gimmick was. Uh, So I'm going to be talking about Professor Onyx. Professor (laughs) Onyx is is my favourite rock Pokemon. Um, And I really hate Steelix, so whenever I evolve Onyx in the games, I always feel a little bit sad. I feel the same way with Scyther. I was angry, but yeah, I was pissed off because like gold and silver, like my first games, and I was like Scyther and and Steelix were like super super cool. I was like, but I can't get them. I haven't got anyone. To ch- I didn't have friends. Oh well, no, I don't. Li- I don't like Steelix. I like Onyx. That's and fair. also, uh, was it Rhyperia, which they brought in the, in the oh, later god. games? Oh god! Oh nah. god! Right? Yeah, that's 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 not controversial though. No one likes Rhyperia. No one likes Magmortar. Why is this now a Pokemon podcast? Um, I mean, we could do one. <laughs> Professor Onyx is a. <laughs> Four generic black black for a legendary planeswalker, Liliana. Uh, it's five loyalty when it comes into the battlefield. Uh, Magecraft is the static ability. Planeswalkers have static abilities again. Uh, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. The plus one is you lose one life. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. The minus three is each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures that player controls. And the minus eight is each opponent may discard a card. If they don't, they lose three life. Repeat this process six more times. Now, the abilities are uh, great. I love the abilities. I kind of like Magecraft, especially because it's a, a Strixhaven Professor role that mm. Liliana is taking on. The big thing, the thing we're going to be talking about is, of course, the fact that they named the card Professor Onyx. And the legendary planeswalker is Liliana. Now, mm. honestly, and I'm not trying to say this to be like, oh my god, the gimmick of the card worked for the sake of me doing this flavor pick. I genuinely said to you on like uh, Messenger, I messaged you going, this Professor Onyx card is quite cool. And then you messaged back going, oh yeah, strange to see Liliana in this set. And I had to go back and look at the card. <laughs> and I did it about three more times after yeah. that. This is why I Googled, because I, I had to do... It's funny, because my brain did the same thing that yours did. I was like, who the fuck's this Professor Onyx? And I kind of completely ignored the Planeswalker timeline and then caught it, and then had to like do like the triple take. And then the more I looked at it, because the first time you saw the image, it's not like super, super clear, right? And you're like, nope. is that Lily? Oh, that is Liliana. Oh, and she's... Okay. I mean, again, we're going to talk about the artwork in a second. But yeah, like, it was funny, because my brain did the whole thing, and then I knew that you, you your brain hadn't ca- quite caught up to it yet. Mm. And I was like, yes, we did the journey together. They did Again, all it has to do is hide it, hide it yeah. a little bit. And our brains automatically assume that we know what's going on. We overlook certain little bits of information. And then it's like, oh, what? Yeah, it does yeah. just enough to mislead you without it just being like push too hard because as mm. soon as you go oh that's a Liliana planeswalker then you can move on to like why have they done what they've done and mm. what that impacts for the narrative reasons and the thing I really love about this card and we'll get on to the mechanics in a second but for the flavor of it most of all is that 
the planeswalker cards have always felt more like they are uh moments in time looking at these characters because for a character that can span the multiverse and be on any world and whatever and especially for some of the older planeswalker characters in terms of in terms of ones that we've seen for a long time if every planeswalker card was just generic ajani or generic chandra they become boring and we've seen it with those uh planeswalker cards where they've just been in like the planeswalker decks or they've been in some of the older core sets or whatever and it is just baseline planeswalker play baseline chandra baseline jace box ticking exactly yeah and you think fine if we have one or two of those obviously you need a baseline for your characters but once you get to like three or four of them five plus it starts to become a bit grating and a bit unnecessary whereas those planeswalker cards which show them at various points in their life like ajani is a very good example of where you've had ajani vengeant you've had mentor of heroes you've had great hearted you've had just baseline ajani and at every point not only does his abilities change but you can also see where this character is and what they're doing and it also sort of works into the meta of the game of you're not literally summoning the planeswalker to come stand by your side you're summoning the representation of that planeswalker in the moment although obviously like the metaphysics of the game are a bit weird yeah so i really loved that this is like the next evolution now that we have this named planeswalker on the type line as a like a planeswalker type if you like they can start playing around with the name and i'm surprised it's taken them this long like at this point in her life liliana is professor onyx that is who she is mm. she's obviously still the same physical person but that's who she presents herself as and i think it's so cool and i was looking back at other planeswalkers from mainly more recent sets at least the past couple of years thinking who what could they have done this on and it still makes sense as well. And I was thinking, what if Garrick, uh, Cursed Huntsman, what if they dropped the Garrick from his name and just made him the Cursed Huntsman? The Cursed Huntsman, yeah. Nice. And like the artwork could have had him a bit more shrouded, maybe just a big hulking figure in a hood, and you could just see his eyes and maybe his axe, and people would have been like, whoa! Because even yeah. at that point in Eldraine, he didn't know who he was because he was under Oko's spell, right? Mm. So I think that would have played in really well. I mean, you have like the Royal Scions for the joint yeah. Will and Rowan card. That was a really cool convention. I mean, but it wasn't necessarily hiding their their identity. No. Um, another one I was thinking of you could have done because uh, you had Vraska Relic Seeker, which is one of my favorite Planeswalk cards. Full stop. But you could have had her be Captain Vraska. Yeah, And without people knowing what the story was, because they would have maybe previewed the cards before we got onto her story, people would have been, would have been like, what? She's the captain? Maybe Captain Vraska of the Belligerent, although that might have been too long for the title. Maybe a bit too long, yeah. But yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, No, absolutely. I think titling is really important mm. for these characters. It gives way more depth. Like saying, instead of just going, Will and Rowan Kenrith, like mm. obviously they can't do that because they put Will, Will Kenrith and Rowan Kenrith as their names initially, but it sets a statement of who they are in that moment way more. Like, I'm so glad it wasn't um, Anna Eora as the as the name for Professor mm. Onyx, which I think is also a clever side set because she's not going by Liliana anymore, right? She's going by Anna Eora, like um, off the back of um, Forsaken. Ward the Spark and Forsaken, yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad that they've either sidestepped the canon of that. Um, we'll see how it, the canon of those events will fit in going forwards. Um, but I also, again, it, set, it states her way more interesting. And also her card mechanics are very different than what she normally does. Ah, I, say, so yes. I say very, very no, different. No, well, this is it. But so they are. her card mechanics, if you notice, on none of her um, activated abilities, or loyalty abilities, I suppose you call them, None of them have a zombie synergy or a return from the graveyard synergy. Exactly. And uh, there are now 13 Liliana cards. At least that's what I, I saw on Scrofall. I might be missing a couple, which they don't have on there. I didn't click on through. Only two others don't have one of those two synergies, mm. either at like the ultimate level or whatever else. And that's Liliana of the Veil and Liliana of the Dark Realms. Dark Realms, yeah. Dark Realms is all ramp, and then Veil is all discarding cards and whatever Yeah, value. Else. 
So yeah. it's a, it's a nice, and I don't necessarily think they're saying this is her going back to like her veil days. I mean, because quite clearly she's the furthest from it at this point. Exactly. But I do like the idea that they're going. She's putting the necromancy in the back pocket for now, and it's and also they synergize like very subtly with like the manipulation of life in this set makes her more tied to the Witherbloom College exactly. because that's what they do. And she's yeah. an ex Witherbloom student. So I think it's just all very cool. Makes the artwork sense. has a lot of nice little um, signifiers. So first off, uh, you do see her headdress in the very in the back of the Kieran Yana artwork, um, which is fantastic. I love the Kieran Anna, uh, Kieran Yana artwork uh, for this set, uh, which is the base one. I think it's fantastic. The full art, which uh, he released as well, you can't see it in the frame. She's got a little fox friend by her feet. Everyone needs a fox friend, Andy. I don't know she's why they cut it out. got a little fox friend in her bed. Um, you also see like things. She's got like a little skull on her desk, and like two hour left. There's like skulls and things on a little side table behind her. There's also a little portrait, which again is cropped out a little bit in the um, Planeswalker artwork, but in the full artwork you can see it. And it seems to be of, of a silver quill professor because it's got uh, white and black hair. Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. I want to know who. It that looks is. a little Raven Manny almost, and I'm not it's saying really? it is in any way, mm. shape, or form. But it does. If it's somewhere between Raven Man and Rao, because sure. again, the white streaks in the hair are very clearly denoting someone. But yeah, I guess maybe yeah. we'll find out. Yeah. Um, I also like all the purple, uh, like in her chair and her drapes as well. But she's in all black, so it's kind of again she's moving away from the old Liliana vest kind of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she just looks fierce. You can also you can't really tell from the the. Uh, PNG of the card art because wizards never seem to release high def versions of their cards. They're always slightly fuzzy when they do previews. Mm. I don't know why. Um, but she does have very light markings, which are the scars from her demon contract still on her body. Someone was asking on Twitter uh, if the demons are all dead, why does she still have the contract on her flesh? And I, th- I don't think there's a canon answer because some artworks do have it and some artworks don't. But I think maybe for the ones that do use it, I would be nice to see the the scars fading over time, um, as a yeah. more representation, like like visual representation of her kind of getting further away from that point in her life. There's obviously a lot to unpack with things like with how people deal with trauma there. So maybe that's for people who maybe do have trauma in their lives. That's maybe a little bit too on the nose to mm. really be but too it, nuanced. But I guess it also might be that it's good to wear your scars on your like. It's, um, you you should be proud of the things that made you right. Mm-hmm. And as much as this is like she's, this is like one of the biggest things to conquer. Like a demon contract, like forged by Nicobolis across four different demons. That's an impressive thing to overcome. So maybe mm. it's a mark of pride for her as well. Um, I don't her her mentality in this story is a very or her, her psychology and where she is in her brain space is very difficult to nail down because she's there in in certain elements clearly to try and fix the uh, Gideon killing himself thing and wants to find a way to bring him back. I also think she knows that's not going to work and she went back to her roots as it were. I mean it's weird mm. also to find out that she's from Witherbloom because it's, it's not necessarily what you'd expect. It does make quill, sense. Right? You'd expect it right? to be silver quill. Mm. Something like that because of especially with her work with um, contracts like but again that's maybe too on the nose in terms of what we have seen from her in the modern day. She's very old. We didn't necessarily know too much about her when she was younger. I like this idea of her being I like the idea also, also that she's not doing anything necromantic because on with within Witherbloom, necromancy is kind of a bad thing. So she's not not only is it working with this idea of being undercover, I think it's also nice for her just to kind of set back into like the person she used to be a little mm. bit. Instead of having to be this necro grand necromancer that summons hordes of zombies to fight Eldrazi, yeah. she just gets to be a nice little tutor. Because her story didn't start with her wanting to raise zombies from the dead. No, she, she was a healer. <laughs> she was a healer who tried to heal her brother, turned mm. him into a lich, and so obviously her first sort of 
love and passion was about trying to find a way to like heal people through herbology. But there, but there we go. So Professor Onyx, home run. I hope they do this with more planeswalkers in the future. Um, all the subtleties of the, the mechanics, the artwork, the naming conventions, home run. Keep doing it. Wunderbar. Right, I'm going to move from one planeswalker to another planeswalker. And oh my god, Andy Kawaii, as soon as I saw this card. Um, so you, this is funny because you sent me a message about the um, about Professor Onyx mess- missing the Liliana thing. I didn't even think that the Luca Mila card was real when you sent it to me because you sent oh, it to sure. me on April Fool's Day. And I was like, no, you mean you're fucking lying, right? This isn't real. Like, <laughs> this is a joke. And I, I learned from, from the like from the moment I woke up on April 1st, just, 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 um, uh, just disprove every everything you read. Every single thing you read is wrong. Um, but yeah, Mila Crafty Companion, which is the front side of the card, which is interesting. Um, and then Luca mm. Wayward Bonder is the back side. Um, I will, I'm going to go through the abilities for Mila because I think they're more important than Luca's. I will talk through Luca in a second. I'm going to preface this by saying I don't give a fuck about Luca. Okay, I'm here just for <laughs> Mila. I don't give a shit. <laughs> anyone says I, I think I put it on my Twitter. If, if anyone hurts her, I will kill everybody that I've ever known. <laughs> I've only seen her. But I've only known about her for two weeks, and I, w- I would die for this for this creature. Sure. You. Um, so Mila Crafty Companion, one white white for a legendary creature fox. Uh, whenever an opponent attacks one or more loyalty, um, one or more planeswalkers you control, put a loyalty counter on each planeswalker you control. Whenever a permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. Um, so it's an interesting that they've moved this ability, this the second the second part of being targeted by spells or abilities your opponents control from green into white. Um, I think it's an interesting way to have white balance out that you come for me, I protect mine, and I get a benefit from it um i think mm. i think it plays to her nature within the story anyway of where she um so luca within the story saves uh, saves mila from um so she's being trapped under some debris under some rocks so he manages to pull him off and save her and then she instinctively and irrefutably bonds to him uh, uh, i mean questions about luca aside again we'll probably get into this the story side i think it's really cute that she instantly um bonds to him like he has this natural way of not not him it wasn't him forcing himself on her it was the other way around like fox mm. accepting accepting the help now luca wayward bonder for red red um legendary planeswalker luca plus one uh, so it comes with five loyalty plus one you may discard a card if you do draw a card if a creature was discarded this way drew, draw two cards instead um minus two return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield it gains haste exile at the beginning of your next upkeep minus seven again emblem with whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Mm. Um, now, I actually think all of these abilities are really, really, really strong. Um, the fact it plays into this idea of um, summoning creatures um, and then using creatures as tools to then gain benefits from them, it's a little callous. And, and I've, again, big question Very marks. Not, uh, yeah, big question marks whether I like him or not. I'm not sure about but he might. I don't I think, think you're meant to. <laughs> I, think, I think the whole point is he's going to have a redeemable arc. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, remember how far he's come? Look how far he's come. I don't know. We'll I see, we'll so see how they write it. We'll see they write, how they write him. Um, point being, I like the fact they managed to sneak. They keep finding, Wizards keeps finding sneaky ways to put planeswalkers in the command zone. Um, sure. And I like the fact they put the legendary side on this first because it does allow you to play with, with, as your as your legend. Um, I'm again, I'm mostly gushing over the fact that I fucking love Le- um, Mila and Luca. I think that their abilities work well with each other. I think it's a really interesting, a succinct explanation of a character. Now, in a grander scheme of MDFCs, I do think that these two, Luca and Mila, kind of synergize, obviously they can't both be in play at the same time unless you're playing standard, in which case they mm. do synergize with each other quite nicely. A lot of them don't. And my big one, and my favourite one in this set is Blex, Vexing Pest. Oh, sure. 
Um, because a two and a green for a three two gives other pests, bats, insects, snakes, plus and spiders plus one plus one. <laughs> well, I know, just all of the random, all, all of the, the random green. It's, it's ridiculous. And then when uh, when it dies, you gain four life. Now, no, I don't care about any of that. What I care about is on the flip side. There's a card in search for blacks. And I thought it was in search for blacks, which was slightly better in my mind. But you know, search for blacks, fine, whatever. Two black, black. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put any number of them into your hand. The rest into your graveyard. Lose three life for each card put into your hand. This way. What I love about this card is when you're in search for blacks, you can't find blacks because it's on the other side of the card. Mm. And, but also the thing that I don't think works with this, and this is like my flavor fail, is that you blacks is the front side of it. Now you you found blacks, right? And then if you want to f- search for blacks, you have to flip it over. But you've already found. Bl- the, the Blacks is on the other side of the card. You've already found it. Why'd you have to go and search for it? It should have been the other way around where the search for Blacks is the first card and then you turn it over and, oh, there he is. Oh, that I makes suppose, sense. I suppose. You yeah. know, like, I feel like that's where, this is where I think, that the, so I like the flavour of it in terms of they've clearly created some functionality uh, or flavor, created flavour that fits the functionality. So I don't think all of them work. I think a lot of, especially a lot of the creatures, sorcery, flip MDFCs, don't necessarily inform each other. I think they're specifically supposed to feel like one of them is the student practising one school of thought, and then the other one is the spell from the other side of the school of thought. And they are supposed to show this just um, this juxtaposition, you know, between like, um, in the quandaries, between might and intelligence. You know, you've mm. got the dude on one side who's punching and the theory side on the other, which, again, makes sense. I think a couple of them work better than others. Um, like Journey of to the Oracle, um, unless you put any number of cards, um, any number of land cards from your hand into play, and then the flip side is Jazdy Oracle of Arcavius. It's like an eight drop. So the idea is you play the Journey to the Oracle, which gets you the lands to go and find the Oracle. That mm. works. I think the funny thing is that ones that really work or don't work in Blex's case, which I think is just a funny um, uh, subversion of, of flavor. Um, the other ones don't have that deliberate tie-in and consistency which i think is interesting i'm glad they were able to do it with some of them clearly it's difficult to make these things work without feeling a bit too twee or a little bit too forced um so those were the three that i think work best in terms of like flavor and functionality together i think the other mdfcs i think it's sometimes very difficult to create flavor that works for it i think that zendikar did a really good job of this because you could have like you know, because the, the, uh, um, the land feels like the place of where the spell's happening, whereas these, again, maybe they're two very disassociative aspects of the, of the colleges. Then you fuse them together, maybe they're supposed to feel a bit disjointed. Again, playing into this flavour of where each subject has the two different ways um, of going, the two different pathways, and you've kind of got to choose which way you go, and they are going to be at odds with each other, which mm-hmm. I think, yeah, interesting. I like it in terms of this, the the, the thought process and the way that, Again, being at university and knowing you have multiple teachers trying to teach you the same subject in their own ways, it, it does actually harken back to that very succinctly. So yeah, nice. cool. Yeah, I love it. I think that's great. That's a great little breakdown of MDFCs. They, they definitely have a lot of potential in the future. Mm. Um, they probably shouldn't be in every set, but yeah, I think I think there's definitely home runs and there's definitely tweaks that they can make. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm. Nice. Um, all right, my next flavor pick is going to be talking a little bit about the art. Sorry, people, I know this is an audio podcast, but damn it, it's my audio podcast. I'm going to talk about the art. <laughs> um, so, I mean, let's let's just get this out there now. The artwork in this set, and we've said this for every set from L Train, very much like how the lore is very deep. The artwork in this set is unbelievable. It's phenomenal. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm. Like the the various uh, ads on this set, because um, I know they kind of split up duties. Uh, I've uh, done a phenomenal job, and they brought in so many first-time artists as well. Um, if you look at those articles on uh, Hipsters of the Coast, for example, that talk about a lot of the first-time artists in the set and the commander sets, it's it's insane. When I was watching the um, reveal video with Jimmy Wong, uh, and they were doing the the kind of slideshow of all mm. the different um, colleges, 
there was an artwork because they flashed up the artwork and obviously they can do that because they own it it's Wizards of the Coast but they obviously didn't put out what cards they were going to be in and they didn't keep anything on screen for too long because people needed to preview cards and things like that but there was one that flashed up half a second on screen when they were doing the Prismari and I I almost stood up <laughs> I was like <laughs> what is that and I couldn't wait for it to be previewed it finally got previewed um this isn't my flavor pick per se but it's definitely the one that uh I I absolutely adored uh one second I'm just going to get up here do you know what's funny is I don't know which one you're talking about because there are so many that I'm like, it could be talking about that one. He could be talking about that one. He could also be talking about that one. Uh, Sudden Breakthrough. Uh, the art is by Colin Boyer. Um, and it shows Ruther, who's the kind of face student for the Prismari, uh, practicing some like paint magic in the air. And she's got like a, a magic paintbrush stuck in her mouth and she's using that with her hands. And the, the magic she's producing is all 2D but everything else is like fancy realism sort of with depth and sort of 3D aspects to it. And it's so colourful and it's so bold and it tries to do something new. And that's the same with almost every card in this set. I like, I really defy you to take a look at a card that either doesn't do something funny with like a joke that works with the rest of the card or like a weird creature type because there's lots of weird like humanoid creatures there's like bear professors and lizards professors as you said or does something interesting where they just kind of go no we don't want it to look like any other artwork that we've got in magic and, and and on and on it goes every single artwork is absolutely phenomenal so sudden breakthrough was the one that i was like holy shit like we're we're in for a set with this one mm. and then the cards got previewed for jason rainville uh doing his two dean cards so we've got mm-hmm. uvilda uh, Dean of Perfection, and we've got Nasari, Dean of Expression. So they're MDFC Dean cards. Blue on the front, red on the back. The artwork for these Deans, I I, I can't get over it. I haven't stopped talking about it on social media. I'm building a commander deck specifically with these commanders at the helm, even though, honestly, the Zavai uh, commander from the precon is probably going to be a better pick for the build I'm doing. It's a Zavai deck, but I'm using these people as commanders. That, and I don't usually do that, despite us being like flavor people for magic. I don't think either of us necessarily build completely around like an artwork or a theme necessarily. We usually no. try and build towards it because, you know, we're also players who can't help but wanting to win. Like, that's I'm just a bit part spiky of it. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> can't help it. But this is going to be one of them. Um, so I'll just I'll read the, what the cards do as well. So you got Uvilda, Dean of Perfection, is two and a blue for a legendary creature, Jin Wizard. So Jin's are back, 2-2. Uh, you tap, you may exile for an instant or sorcery card from your hand and put three hone counters on it. It gains at the beginning of your upkeep. If this card is exiled, remove a hone counter from it. And when the last hone counter is removed from this card, if it... Uh, if it's exiled, you may cast it. It costs four less to cast this way. So it's kind of like suspend, but with a reduction in mana cost rather than just flat casting. Um, and then Nasari Dean of Expression is three red red for a four four, a Freet Shaman. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of each opponent's library. At the end of your turn, you may cast spells. Up until the end of your turn, you may cast spells from among those exiled cards and you may spend mana as though it's mana of any color to cast those spells. Whenever you cast a spell from exile, put a 1 1 counter on Sari, Dean of Expression. So it's a stolen strategy, but with also a pump effect for the creature. Um, I, I, can't, I can't get over these cards because they are the absolute epitome of what the Prismari are trying to do. And obviously Prismari has been my favourite college all the way through. But even the artwork down to the mechanics, like the blue and the red side is just is absolutely perfect. And it also opened me up a lot to Jason Rainville as an artist. Now Jason Rainville has been working on magic for ages. Like this isn't like his first set or anything. Like I've seen his cards for almost as long as I've been playing. Um and it's 
like without any disrespect to Jason, because I absolutely adore the artworks, clearly. It's just an artist that, for whatever reason, I've liked individual artworks, but I've never quite stitched them together in my head as being from the same person. Like, he did the uh, Cryptic Command from the Master set that came out, like, a few years ago. He's done, like, Whispers of Emrakul from uh, Eldritch Moon, which is an incredibly, like, horrible but beautiful card at the same time. He's done, like, cute things like Tosca Bear of Secrets. Like, you look through his card gallery and you're like, holy That's shit. That's literally what I'm doing now. Yeah, I didn't like, realize half the cards were his. Yeah. And, it's, and also, the artistic style is so disparate as well. Like, you'll look at a card like Rekindling Phoenix from uh, Rivals of Ixalan uh, versus, say, Radine, God of the Worthy, because they're right next to each other on Scryfall. And they kind of fall into one category. And then you look at Recruiter of the Guard and Rest in Peace, and they're a completely other one. So he's got this really expansive style. The thing which I really nailed in on is the detail. So whatever he's trying to go for, whether it's like saturated color palette or whether it's an action shot or a more like kind of abstract like camera angle or whatever the hell the detail of the characters that he's drawing, because a lot of his artworks are character-based rather than, say, uh, landscapes or vistas. Their facial expressions, down to like things like their body type, and also like the kind of the mood and the emotion that they're showing versus the movement of the hair and everything about it. You will be hard-pressed to find an artist that will be able to do expression of movement with like bodies the way that Jason Rainville does it. Um, and you see it like, I'm going to, again, I'm going to go back to Nasari and Uvilda. So Uvilda's a, a djinn uh, wizard. Djinns are kind of hard to do. They're kind of, because there's a million different ways you can kind of do genies and djinns uh, in Magic the Gathering. This one's like, the ones on this plane look fairly humanoid. They've got quite large, like, elf ears, if you like, but they're very long, very pointy, very broad. The detail of this card, if you go right in on the skin, which you can only see from the neck to the head, like, it's only the head of this character that's kind of visible without clothes on. Is sparkly. So gins on this plane, or at least Uvilda, are like glittery and glistening, which is just, I mean, it's the most extra thing I can think of. It's very of. Twilight, isn't it? But it's so good for like a Dean who's part yeah, of Prismari. But also it's the Dean of Perfection. It's not even necessarily like the uh, extrovert version. It's even the sort of introverty, like... Um, sort of nebulous ones like uh super extra and then if you go to uh nasari on the backside, you've got a freets a freets again are kind of tricky to do because are they elementals are they like humanoid there's kind of all this you know uh back and forth you can do with them and clearly the art direction for a freets on um arcadios is that they are very much humanoid but you can kind of see their element kind of radiating from within them mm-hmm. so nasari for example is got orange skin got the Afrit features that they kind of are going for with this plane, but there's this very subtle glow that you can kind of see, like, the molten power, because they're like a fire Afrit, right? Mm. The the detail on that and the subtle detail just makes all the extrovert stuff that much more grounded. So Avilda's wearing this sort of like this uh, conductor's jacket with this huge ruff with massive frills and a neckerchief and a skirt with a whole bunch of frills on it. Biggest ruff and you've ever seen in your fucking life. My gosh, huge. it takes up half the card off. And then they've got like ribbons coming down and then the sari's wearing this big long flowy dress thing with all frills down the side. Frills are a big part of, and ruffs are a big part of the Prismari sort of design. But then you go back to the smaller details again and you notice that uh, Uvilda is looking very intently. And this is something I didn't even notice until yesterday. I've been looking at this card for like two weeks. 
Uvil is looking very intently at this uh, curious object on a plinth. It's kind of a swirly thing with two balls on it. And it's very much that they're studying this plinth, like with great sort of de- attention detail. And on the backside, you see Nasari doing a big sort of sweepy pose. But if you look very carefully to the far right of the picture, you notice that actually their leg has been kicked up onto that same plinth and has kicked off the object that oh, yeah, Uvilda they was looking that. at. Oh, that's hilarious. But it's not done in an act of disrespect. It's because Uvilda is studying this object for inspiration, and Nasari has the inspiration. And if you notice, the arm movements and the leg movements that they're doing mirrors the shape of the object that she's just kicked off the plinth. So she's seen the shape of the plinth. She's thought, oh, that can be a dance move, has done her big dance move, and in that moment has also kicked the object off the plinth. <laughs> it's so good. And this is like... This, for me, is absolutely everything. Not only about Prismari, because it would be very unfair for me to not pay sort of like you know respect to the other four-fifths of the world building that's going on here, but it's just it's absolutely everything for showing how these MDFCs, it's a bit like to your point, can tell a whole story. And if someone wanted to go, well, what do I, know, what do I need to know about these, these new color pairs? This would be a card that I'd just shove in front of them. And the fact that it's Jason Rainvillart, that I just like. He's also uh, done Professor of Symbology in this set and Lawhold Commander as two other cards. Um, both of which, I mean, Lawhold Command had everyone gushing over Gatling Gun Scrolls. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Professor of Symbology shows a core cleric uh, teaching a class. But if you look at the faces and the expression on each one of the students and also the professor themselves, it's just, I can't. I can't get over it, and I feel mm. kind of annoyed at myself that I didn't pay more attention to some of the more subtle things that Jason was doing in other sets. Um, yeah, I think that's a nice thing, right? Because it's always there. I think this happens with a lot of artists of where I'll see a card and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, who's that artist? And you'll be like, "What the fuck do you mean? Who's this artist? They've done this card and this card and this card and this mm-hmm. card." And I'm like, "Oh god, yeah, all right, yep, yep, good." And then you go through like down the rabbit hole, as it were. Like, there's a lot of names to keep in 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 your head a lot of times, and I think this is really. Again, as long as each set gives each artist an opportunity to to present themselves, like Johannes Voss had an absolute um, riot with Cowtime, and I think there are other artists here that get to really kind of show show their abilities, right? And I think mm. it's nice. Um, and again, some of these artworks are just so good. Like people like Raymond Swanland, like we haven't seen that much like non spiky coming at coming at you kind of artworks yet. Yeah, all of the uh, dragon um, elder dragons are Raymond Swanland, and you look across them, their art style is fairly it's fairly diverse, especially for Raymond Swanland, who usually has a very specific go to kind of style that works mm-hmm. really well. And he's done again a very broad and varied selection. Uh, yeah, the art directors in the set have done such a phenomenal job. Honestly, it's it's amazing. I, I yeah, really could sure. not sing their praises more. Um, but yeah, I like the fact, yeah, the dualities really work. And I guess this is one of the things I really like when we first saw a lot of the artworks, especially in that showcase, was a lot of the artworks were very polarizing, especially things like the silver quills. It was very black and white. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this goldy effect in the middle. No, it was black and white. And it mm-hmm. creates that distinction really nicely. And I'm, as much as that could typically go to like a cliche look, it's actually creates a nice refinement um, across the set. And it gives them a really close, nice, succinct identity. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, hundred percent. Nice. Love it. I will be. I will. I will love every second of playing these cards in my commander zone. Mm. Commander zone. Oh command zone. Good Whatever. job. Foils as well. Foils are gonna look sick. I'm gonna like, try. So I don't cool know if cards. they're doing the uh, the full like the stretched art because I think they've gone back to stretch. I art, think they right? are. They are for those. Oh, ones, I'll yeah. be getting. I'll be getting foil stretch arts of these. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, for sure. These. 
Cool. Um, well, my next one's nice and simple. It's a nice little throwback to a car that I thought was really cool back in the day, um, and that's a Conspiracy Theorist. Um, the card it, it reminded me of was Mad Profit. Um, it was originally printed in the Innistrad set, so it's three and a red, uh, two, two, haste, tap, discard a card to draw a card. Um, bear with me just a moment, so I'm going to find the original flavor text, because I think it kind of defi- it explains why Conspiracy Theorist works for me. Mm. Um, give me just a moment, because it's got brought up the wrong one. Got distracted with Rainville. How dare you? Um, <laughs> I forget when I'm in like middle. You're in the middle of talking. I'm kind of like going along with you, looking at things. I forget that I've set my tabs up specifically. Sure. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the other restored uh, flavor text is: "There's no heron in the moon. It's a shrew, a five-legged shrew with a voice like whispering thunder." Um, which was a fantastic kind of um, almost like precursor to the fact that eventually. They did have put Emrakul in the moon. And so we go back to Shadows of Innistrad. And it's the same car printed, different artwork, both looking mad. Um, sure. And that one was, I have seen it, seen the end, seen the beginning, the beginning of the end, not death, no, no, transcendence. And again, mm. like this, I, again, I know it's really, it's, it's got a lot of power behind it. And again, it's just, yeah, cool, just discard, draw a card, rummaging and everything. Cool. The reason I really like my prof, um, uh, conspiracy theorists, and this might just speak to my kind of play style, I really like discard strategies a lot. And I really like cards that, um, kind of fuse all of the synergies of a, of a of a set together or say for example a specific college so Lawhold really likes exiling things from the graveyard it really likes bringing um, artifacts back from the graveyard there's a lot of in and out of the graveyard effects conspiracy theorist really feeds into this so it's one and a red for a two two he- creature human shaman whenever conspiracy theorist attacks you may pay one and discard a card if you do draw a card whenever you discard one or more non-land cards you may exile one of them from your graveyard if you do you may cast it this turn that's a really strong two drop Mm. and what i like about it is it does again it informs the mechanics of the set um it gets things into your graveyard to get back out again it pulls things out of your graveyard into exile triggering all of the different law hold notes automatically but again i like this idea of when it attacks, when it gets really into it, he's got this fucking crazy idea, and he, th- he throws out, he throws logic out, right? You know, you pay one, you discard a card, you throw logic out of the, out of the window, and you, you pull up this ridiculous theory, and you draw a card, but no, you, you don't just throw out the logic. No, 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 no. You throw out the logic, but you also exile it, which is because it's crazy, right? The thought would be crazy that that stupid thought over there. It's so crazy, but I'm going to bring it back, and we're going to fuse both of these ideas together into this crazy idea together. The card that I drew from discarding the idea and then bringing that idea back from exile, it, it for me that's speaks- I mean, I, I've watched a lot of crazy theorists, and I, I kind of I annoys me th- like crazy theorists that sit there and go like talk about you know like um, skim walker ranches and things like that. I mean, again, I'm not I'm not against the, the the fanciful ideas of the world, but I kind of like there to be a little bit of proof. And conspiracy theorists seems to undermine <laughs> that like r- brilliantly by me going, yeah, I love the idea of theory crafting, especially baseless information theory crafting. I think conspiracy theorists plays into this red's fervent, this kind of burgy area, right, of storytelling, getting too caught up in what you're doing. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, it doesn't hurt that conspiracy theorist goes into this burgy deck. I'm going to create a verbose storm burgy deck that's just people chatting shit. That's what the, that's what the deck's <laughs> essentially going to be. It's just people chatting shit. Oh, um, interesting. Uh, my copy of Burgi is going to be going into my Prismari deck for very similar reasons. <laughs> yeah, so this th- again, like they've just done such a good job on some of these. And again, we've spoken about this for a couple of sets. Red cards for us, especially this kind of verbose red eloquence, like la- not eloquence necessarily, but this verbosity, this 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 need to talk and 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 express oneself. Again, it doesn't have to be artistic sometimes to show the red side of things. It doesn't have to be passion. It can sometimes be people being bonkers. Um, yeah, conspiracy theorist does it. So it ticks all the boxes. A nice, powerful, succinct ability throw back to a mad profit idea uh place to all of the notes that i want it to and it's very easy to um it's, it's easy to go nuts with this card so yeah love it fantastic good card thumbs up wizards 
Nice. Awesome. Uh, all right. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Silver Quill. So we spoke a, a lot last week about uh, all the different colleges. And when we got into the Silver Quill, um, Nathan and I showed our asses for being horrible people because we said we quite liked the Silver Quill. <laughs> um, but I think there's kind of, out of everything in the world building and all of the nuances and some of the stuff that's maybe a bit more on the nose that's going on in this set, the thing which I think has been trickiest to nail down and it hasn't revealed itself to be any less tricky is the College of Silver Quill. So when they first released uh, their set details and the kind of flavor of the set and they started sort of um, drip-drabbing all the different colleges out and whatever else, people were very excited for the Silver Quill because they definitely didn't look like they were going to be super good guys. Like, they were definitely going to be the more sort of uh, snidey of all the colleges. Uh, But I think people were very much into the idea that for a set that seems so unconcerned with, like, battles and war and killing and you know power struggles in general for a set that just seemed to be more of a celebration of creativity in your in your passion kind of thing and and kind of um using the passion as like a like you you're you're representing your side of things as opposed to trying to tear down everyone else's i think people were then ready to kind of go okay we can kind of buy into these people who like they, they have sharp fashion they have sharp tongues and even sharper wit you know, like, that's it, we're all in for it, and there are going to be nuances, there's going to be shades of grey, um, there's going to be, you know, elements of, yes, these people are going to be able to, like, turn a phrase and maybe insult someone creatively, but it, I don't think anyone really expected some of the flavour of the Silver Quill to drift so firmly into the realm of bullying. Yeah. Right? And unfortunately, there are certain aspects of the Silver Quill specifically which definitely seems to lend itself to, these are the bad people this is the college for people who aren't very nice and use magic as a way to not be very nice mm-hmm. and i kind of feel that whilst this was on the flavor and and this was also compounded with um the you referenced the first half of mark rosewater's uh like sort of behind the scenes of Strixhaven article last week he did release the second half this week um and in that article he ran down what they wanted to achieve with each of the colleges and what they were thinking about things at different parts of the design stages and one of the things that he and Doug Bayer were talking about with the Silver Quill was this idea that if they were good with words, they could be the fastest with words and potentially then make very good instructors. And there's a, a an organization in the US called the ROTC, which is the Reserve Officer Training Corps, which is a military organization. And now I, I don't want to get into a debate about like the, the moral pros and cons of like the military complex worldwide that's a debate for people who want to like look at the expansion of human history and advancement but what i will say is is that again in a set where it seems so divorced from anything battley like how we've had in kaldheim and almost every other set to then suggest that one of the colleges also had like a military application as opposed to say the politics and leadership sides that i think people were maybe a bit more into Mm-hmm. It just kind of it all compounded people's fears about the Silver Quill as being maybe a college where the magic is used as a controlling oppression as opposed to a celebration of your own wit, right? And that sounds super nuanced and that sounds very wanky, to be honest with you, but kind of that was the point of that college. It's all poets and playwrights and orators. They're a wanky group of people. Like that's why we liked them, <laughs> you know. Um and I kind of feel like some of the cards are not only a good uh, case study of where the lines are for where some of the 
wins are and some of the losses in this philosophy. But also, broadly speaking, the Silver Quill are a really good case study for where people's um, tolerance, if you like, for their kind of fantasy villains goes. So we'll get into it. So I'm going to use two cards as like a case study. Uh, one of them is Closing Statements which is three white black for an instant spell that reads, this spell costs two, last to ca- uh, two less to cast during our end step. Uh, destroy target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Put a 1-1 one, one counter on up to one target creature you do control. And the flavor text reads, in conclusion, dot, dot, dot. And the art by Craig J. Sp- uh, Spearing shows a silver core mage blasting a lawhold mage with a bunch of silver core magic. The ink magic, whatever that manifests itself as. The other half of this is going to be Humiliate, which is a white and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card, put a 1-1 counter on a creature you control. Uh, Favourite text reads, Ah, what's that? No comeback? And the Randy Vargas artwork, great artwork, but we'll get into it, uh, shows a Silver Quill student um, belittling a Quandrix student, and the Quandrix student seems to be in some distress and their head is covered in ink magic and it looks like they're being bullied essentially and there are a couple of other cards that fall on the side of this and i just wanted to kind of show where i think the lines are if that makes sense does that make sense i absolutely agree the first two cards i thought of were exactly closing statement and humiliate so yeah, sure yeah, yeah. so closing statement is a great card <laughs> it's a fantastic card and it's i think the key thing that's going to be going through here and if this is going to be very like reductive of me to sort of like presented like this but i think it's the easiest way to do it this card is just straight up funny to me some people might disagree but i think this shows a lot of wit so the idea that this costs less if you do it during your end step the card is called closing statement like that in itself is just very flavorful and very like cool idea that you get a payoff for this being the crescendo to your argument rather than like just using it straight off the bat the destroy target creature or planeswalk you no control the word destroy when it's said with some sort of wink and levity is quite funny and we'll see this again the word destroy is used on another card called um shadewing laureate which is white hybrid black for a 2-2 human warlock creature flying when other another creature you control with flying dies put a 1-1 counter on to a creature you don't, don't control and the uh flavor text reads would you prefer i destroy you using prose or verse like that's funny yeah oh you got destroyed yeah, no, yeah it doesn't it doesn't idea yeah exactly yeah, exactly well. The idea as well, I, what I quite like, and where I think some of the lines sort of are divided up, is that the closing statement pumps, whilst, yes, you ha- it's a removal spell, that's like function of the game, it also buffs your own creature, right? So it gives it, puts a 1-1 counter up to target creature control. And this very much seems like, although it's a Silver Quill student using their magic for combat, it very much seems like it's the crescendo to something that they've already done. That's the whole point of the card. In conclusion, it's a funny flavor text, and I think just everything about it just suggests that this was a very performative act. And also, there it stood in a courtyard, but we do know this from like um, the Strict Seven stories and from a lot of the artwork, that the students do like duel each other and battle each other. Mm. And this very much seemed like this was a face-off between two students. This wasn't one student like belittling another one. If you compare and contrast all those things to Humiliate... Humiliate is a discard spell, like that's always seen. The, the language of discard spells and magic is that you're literally tearing apart someone's mind. Um, the artwork, it's great artwork, but it's it's maybe too good. The fact that the Quandrix student on Humiliate looks like they're being actively like tortured. Mm. Like they're not happy. This isn't someone who's dueling another person. This is someone who's come across their bully in a hallway and is being bullied by them. It's, yeah, it's, it's very tricky. much behind closed doors. It's, mm-hmm. it's in shadow. It's almost like he's checking to see if he's being noticed, like mm-hmm. the Silver Quill Mage, which shows that what's happening. Like, it could even, and this is the funny thing, is I could even 
argue that this is maybe like this could have been the dean right you could mm-hmm. even argue that this is the black dean doing this to a student because the black dean is really another really good example of um a card that actively punishes the students for learning and there's a line of when you read into the flavor if you're like where is that like whip it's almost like whiplash right it has that whiplash mm. feel of of where the only reason why he doesn't he's not like a massive massive um antagonist and he is the antagonist of the film is because the protagonist rises to meet him and then it becomes a battle of wits mm. whereas in a school circumstance that's not okay and whiplash no. is one of like the more, more um psychologically like damaging kind of films that i've seen recently because it does a really good job of breaking down the protagonist and mm. you shouldn't fit, it shouldn't have that to have the difference of these two things right in the same set is really confusing because there's a card fracture that's a, a black and a white instant destroying artifact enchantment or planeswalker. A shard of a shard of glass being split, loads of agonizing um, expressions on it. Mm. The flavor is that's ecstasy's spell. That's the mm. that's the antagonist of the set spell. Mm. And yet I put fracture and humiliate in the almost in the exact same frame. Yeah. And I I'm specifically thinking that humiliate could have been the dean or another student doing it. And there shouldn't be that kind of no. blur between your antagonist and protagonist. It's hard when Extus is clearly a white black mage and mm. Silver Quill is the white. And yes, okay, there was even Tempt Tempt for the Auric or whatever it is that shows um uh it shows um oh god, I forgot his name. Um Kieran, Kieran, you? Kieran, Kieran, yeah, uh, Killian, yeah. It shows Killian being, Killian. Be, being kind of um, um, almost um, tempted, tempted by the Auric, exactly. To, um, again, the the spells within the set show Killian to almost be justified because his Dean, who is a bastard in his card and a bastard on the card, um, is it d- a humiliation, ultimate humiliation? Like, there's so many cards in this in this set that make me go, really? Is this the narrative you want to tell? Is this the story you're wanting to tell? Yeah, the flavor text on Humiliate reads, ah, uh, oh, what's that, no comeback? Now, I was thinking, if you had that uh, flavor text on a counterspell, for example, because counterspells mm. in general are very famous for having quite snipey and snidey things. Like, you have like cards like Condescend and Didn't Say Please, for example. Mm. On a counterspell, it wouldn't seem um, as egregious. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that uh, on counter spells, it's it's you stopping an attack or an attempt for someone to kind of come at you. You're countering the thing, and that kind of just inherently in the flavor of magic suggests like a a post repost, like a, a you you do this, I do this kind of thing. Mm. Which humiliate is you going after someone's hand, and it's very much a proactive act. Another card yeah. like this, which falls into this category, and is the another example, is spiteful squad, which is uh, two white black. For a human warlock, zero zero death touch. Uh, Spiteful Squad enters the battlefield with two one one counters on it. When Spiteful Squad dies, put uh, its counters on target creature you control. Um, the, the abilities don't matter too much to me. Uh, the flavor text is: Don't you know first years pay a toll to walk through here? And it shows three silver core mages looking at you, the first yep. year through the card art, um, and it's it's an aggressive act where literally give me your give me your my lunch money, give me your lunch money, and it's just. There's no wit. There's no fun in this card, like there is in the rest of the set. There's no sense of like, well, this is like a joke or with a wry smile. This is a group of students going after another group of students. This isn't like a duel. And I think one of the things I put down here, which is maybe a bit more nuanced as well, is that a lot of the good stuff about the Silver Quill seems to be about them being performatively showing off how great they are. Like uh, there's Arrogant Poet, there's a human warlock in this set, which has the flavor text, I would be kinder to my peers, Professor, but I simply don't have any. There's no... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's great. There's no sense of him, like, 
singling someone out or bullying an individual person. He's just incredibly confident in his own abilities, which yeah. whether you're a white major or a black major in the Civil Corps seems to be the way to go. The artwork, by the way, as an aside, on Arrogant Poet is by Billy Christensen, uh, Christian, sorry, um, and shows uh, the Civil Corps student flying on ink wings with ink magic, making up the body of the wings. Ooh, go check out that card. Um, yeah. Yeah, silver. That's the thing. Is silver quill look really, really cool? That's they do. the thing. Is when you look at it and your eyes go, "Oh, that's great," and then you start to break it down. You go, "Oh, that's mm, that's not so, so great." Yeah. <laughs> so I think, without like sort of beating over the head again and again and again, I think that's where a lot of the issues with the silver quill come. Is that if it's a card which shows them being uh, arrogant and narcissistic and super confident in their abilities because they are so witty and the power of words they have such command over, and they're said in the law to be incredibly well-put-together students in general, I think mm. people are in for that, because you can have the fantasy of going, well, you know, I was a nerdy, like, book reader at school. Like, how can I use that to be powerful and to be, like, expressive? But then those same people, unfortunately, the demographic of Magic Gathering, the stereotype is, is that they're the people that maybe weren't the most popular in high school. It's the nerd exactly. culture thing, right? I'm not saying it's necessarily true for everyone, but that is the broad sort of strokes of like the demographic. So to turn people who were so excited to be like powerful wordsmiths into the bullies of the set is just not the one, I don't think. Yeah, and I think I that's how it's represented on the cards. And that's why people felt upset by it. I agree. I feel like it hits too close to home when something like that, especially to in terms of age groups as well, there's still probably a lot of people playing this game that are in school that are still suffering mm. under certain circumstances. And I'm like, you don't need to paint that as as a not even as a positivity, but to show it off as a negativity. Yes, everybody's in school, but sometimes again, it's an escapism. This game it doesn't need to have the reality put into it all the time. And again, if this was, as you say, your way to represent yourself, and you had that not only taken away from you but reversed and doubled down on on the negativity, then yes, mm. it's 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 clearly going to miss the mark sometimes. And I feel like objectively, maybe they need to have younger people in the design space or something. And maybe that would have been an argument that could have been maybe. argued. Back. Maybe I just maybe, I just think yeah. they were trying to show an aspect of the school experience which maybe wasn't wholly needed i will say exactly. that every other college also does have individual cards that have like people who are assholes on it like <laughs> so there's um yeah. sly instigator is in the commander sets for example and it shows a, a prismari student I- inspiring two other students to start brawling because it gives go to things as well it mechanically works and that mm. is fine and almost clever in a way because it's like a single like aspect of using an ability to show a moment in time but it just doesn't it clearly for the other four colleges didn't need to be their trope but for the silver quill it seemed to be tacked on to the end and there are still other great cards you've got like dramatic finale uh silver quill apprentice for example exhilarating allocution these are all cards that when people were maybe going through the discourse on social media and were saying i didn't want to be like part of the bully college people were like no like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. there's that horrible stuff but there's also the stuff which you did love initially about the silver quill in the set, which makes it all the more kind of weird, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of bathwater. And again, none of the others had a specifically negative connotation to them, so it's almost like they lead into it. And it's like, well, is there, was there no other way to find this to work? And again, why is it black-white that are the, the douchebags, right? Like, yeah, there was not... that argument as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. that's where I land. I still really love the silver quill for all of their qualities, and even for mm. like their nuances of being maybe a little bit twatty, but arrogant i like my people to be arrogant i don't like it when they're bullies i think that's where i'll leave that yeah um, for sure there is an there is a broader sort of just thing i won't get into it too much because we could we could do a whole episode i think on this very subject but i just do, do, do think it's very interesting what you were saying about how 
you know, where the lines are with people's lived experiences. Like this is something that people are maybe currently going through. And it's funny how in context for your set is everything. If you had a card like Humiliate, uh, say in a Ravnica set done by like an Orzov guild member, you wouldn't have maybe battered an eye at it. But because it's in a school setting, in a very real sort of uh, relatable sense, it does become a problem. And I think one of the best cards, I think I can think of an example of, you know, context matters about your world building, is we literally have like a eugenicist death god character in the form of Yorgmoth, Thran Physician. And what's the meme that everyone talks about Yorgmoth? Super sexy Yorgmoth. Stupid yeah, sexy nice. Yorgmoth. Because he fact- is, he looks really... Yeah. yeah, he looks really But forget sexy. the fact that he like is a eugenicist and he like does experiments and whole societies and kills people mm-hmm. and becomes literally a god of Phyrexian death later down the line. He's a sexy yeah. lad. We like him. And yeah, you wanna, this like, is before he did all of that stuff. He was it. cool back then. <laughs> exactly. But because but because it's within the realm of like high fantasy or sci-fi fantasy or even something as relatable as the Guilds of Ravnica, because you mm. went in knowing this is like an exaggerated version of like a real world city with these guilds that like you have the banks and you have the military and you have like the nature people and all this kind of stuff, but they're all going to be like exaggerated fancy versions of them. People were able to live and even like the villains or like, you know, I love my Karlov deck. People love being the Rakdos. The Rakdos are fun. They also kill people on stage for fun, but that's fine. But when you start putting it into the school setting and I think wizards maybe misjudged how, if you if you market your set to be like, look how relatable this is, and then you put in some maybe near the knuckle stuff, people are going to relate to it the way that you wanted them to. Yeah, which is to say, very closely, and yeah, maybe not in the fantasy card game. Yeah, the closer you get to home, the more sensitive you have to be, and maybe they just got a bit bullshy and took a step too far, which is fine. Indeed. Again, as long as they learn from it, and, and then it's not an yeah. issue. Yeah, um, I, w- I would be yeah. interested to see where they go from this. Again, Silver Quill, I would say I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I still really love them. I would say it's just maybe sixty percent good stuff, forty percent yikes. Um, yeah. So there we are. Yeah. Cool. I don't want to end this episode on a down note, so we're going to be talking no, about our Commander twenty twenty one picks. Um, Commander, as we said at the top of the episode. There is so much going on here, and like, yeah, because it's because it's a commander set, and not a, a standard set. I think they they have been able to push the envelope. So we're gonna we're gonna just do our top top card because if we don't do our top card, we'll be here for another hour talking about how every card is awesome. So yeah, Nathan, we could have done a whole episode on that. Um, go well, ahead. I mean, top card? Well, I mean, like elephant in the room. Um, they made a fucking chef planeswalk. I'm <laughs> not planeswalk, a legendary creature. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, and we we were so desperate for something, and it's so funny to think that they'd already made this card probably like you know two years ago. Now, I mean, I'm not that anyone from Wizards listens to our podcast, likely, but I'm, it's that idea of like we're going, please, please give us something, and it's already it was already here. Yeah. Um, and it's oh, it's fantastic. I'm not going to say the name without smiling. Um, Guillaume Master Chef, and <laughs> Guillaume may might be slightly. I don't know how close to gourmet they want to make it. I'm going to say Guillaume because that's as close without being exactly the same. Two yeah, black sure. green for a legendary creature, troll warlock. Um, a five three trample at the beginning of your end step. Create a number of food tokens equal to the number of non token creatures you add into the battlefield under your control this turn. Uh, one and sacrifice a food target creature gains indestructible at the end of turn tap it mm. um amazing he cooks delicious so what i like is the more people that show up yep. the more food he cooks for you yep. and when you cook your food you it's so it's so good because he's a master chef he's so good that you you, you essentially regenerate because that's what essentially what the clause, <laughs> the clause is that is just so good i also really like the fact and this is a slight note the things that like mentor and food becomes deciduous in commander products so we can see 
uh, keywords from other um, from other planes in in like again you couldn't fit everything into the Strixhaven set proper. So it was a good way to kind of go. Yeah, we can still do food in any set. What no yeah. matter what the set it has. I love how it's the school chef. You got a school chef in there. Like it's the one part that I didn't actually know was missing from the school um, outline. And also, I don't know because I don't think school chefs are necessarily master chefs, right? You don't become a master chef and go, "All right, I'm going to go and cook at my primary school." You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to show those kids some Michelin star <laughs> restaurant quality foods. They'll appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that that's an interesting note. But it I just is can't believe it. Though it is a premier, like it is. It is the, uh, the, the, the height, kitchen right? at Oxford and Cambridge is probably stacked with some Michelin stars. That's a very good point. Actually, I have watched my. I do watch a lot of my chef. They do tend to go to like colleges and places like that to do their um, like finals week um, mm. chefing. So yeah, fair enough. Okay, cool. Yeah, take it back immediately. In general, can't believe they did a chef. Can't, can't believe they did a chef. Yeah. It's so, so simple. It's not particularly complicated. Um, it all works well together and and it ticks off the box that we wanted we need some more gourmet in the kitchen also interesting that it's black green i know obviously food because realistically killing things and then cooking it and then eating it that is as black green as you could possibly get um i know we probably would have put some aspect of maybe a type of red in there but i mean again i'm not complaining yeah i think we did i think when we first sort of like pegged our ideas um red was definitely in there but i don't i don't yeah dislike it i think it's very cool cool idea cool colors for it Mm. Yeah. yeah, very cool. I'm um, nice. interested to see if they give us a different food token based on Eldraine. Um, sorry, not not based in Eldraine. Because the Eldraine ones had a wide selection you know, from a pig's head to pastries, which I think mm. maybe showed too much of a, um, a smorgasbord of different cookery styles in, an, in a plane that hasn't got past gaslighting. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see what food they show for his food tokens, if they show a varied amount or not. Sure. Um, well, I mean, the, the treasure you know. tokens for the Prismari, because the Prismari um, have treasure-like synergies, kind of weirdly. They do, mm. the artwork does seem to make them fit a lot more with, with what's going on. Looking forward to it then. Um, yeah. So my card, um, I was so strict with you, both on the outline and in this episode, literally on air, about how we need to pick one card. Uh, I've picked two. Um, such a dick. <laughs> they're the same card. They're the same card. So my two cards are from the Prismari Precon because obviously I'm predictable. Um, and it's inspiring refrain and rousing refrain. So inspiring refrain reads for blue blue for draw two cards, exile inspiring refrain with three time counts on it, uh, and it has to spend three uh, with two and a blue. So you can exile it with those time counts on it, and then rousing refrain is add as a sorcery again uh add is three red red for add red for each card in target opponent's hand until the end of turn you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end exile rousing refrain with three time counts on it and it has suspend uh one and a red for suspend three so the artwork by izzy uh is the same quartet it's a str- it's a magical string quartet and rousing inspiring refrain they're playing blue magic and rousing refrain they're playing red magic because of course they are it's a refrain it's literally a musical refrain. So a refrain in music is a is a sort of uh, a few bars of music, or it's a a few notes like stylistically. It can be either exactly the same piece of music, or it can kind of you know pay homage to it. That comes back over the course of a piece of music, kind of ties the whole thing together because the same sort of sequence comes in, or the same few notes come in to kind of denote a sense of completion or a beginning and end. Or like musicians use refrains for all different kinds of reasons. But the idea is that it comes around again and again and again. Suspend is obviously a fantastic idea for that because it's one of those mechanics like, you know, flashback or whatever or rebound where the spell repeats itself. But these spells, if you cast them just for their hard cost, exile themselves to suspend themselves straight away, which means that when they come back with the... If you just suspend them and they come back, they still exile themselves and then they come back again and then they go and they come back and they keep round and round and round it goes. I just... That alone... 
would be like home run. I wouldn't have given a fuck what the cards actually did if they just did that exile itself with the suspend because they're refrains. The fact that the inspiring refrain draws you cards out of your deck, so literally gives you new ideas to play with, and the rousing refrain gives you extra mana, so give you extra energy to bolster yourself to do these new ideas. I perfect. Just perfect. Home run, amazing. So, and I can't believe that the two things that we've wanted for the past like six months of this, us talking yeah, about Yeah, I was going to say. We wanted a chef, and we wanted music slash performing arts to be represented in a non-combative, non-entrancing, non-manipulating way. Give and us got, a song that works as a song, and you gave us... You, you, did you it. literally gave <laughs> us two crazy, cards. You crazy <laughs> bastards, you fucking did it. Also, one thing you didn't, you didn't know is that the two artworks... Uh, inspiring Refrain is the two musicians on the left playing Bulu Magic, and then Rousing Refrain is the two musicians Ooh. on the right playing Red. They're playing in concert against each other, like a fucking jazz-off, like 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 a fucking... Oh, like two cellos you're 100% you see one right. of them Or going, it's, like a, it's like a call and response thing across... Exactly, like exactly. You're right, I completely didn't notice that. And imagine having those suspend, coming off suspend on different turns. Oh, I love it. I love everything about it they did they did it like this is what i mean it's funny that we got more almost more flavor in the commander sets because they can do this one-off effects that seemingly again things like suspend suspend doesn't work on strixhaven because you'd have to make the whole um set about it and they even have a suspend like on your dean for example where they had to change the wording to make it not yeah again if you can put this much flavor into your command sets that also then tie into the into the um um main set proper and again we i think there was a there was a time of where we were curious as if is releasing commander sets or commander decks with every set kind of necessary and i feel like this especially when you do the command set that allows you to make all the new cards this is a perfect example of yes this is why you tie them together because mm-hmm. it allows them to inform each other so much better it's not always going to be like oh i guess more of the same mechanics from the set it's like no they're going to do mechanics we haven't they even seen in stuff. like 10 years yeah. yeah very good it's really encouraging um and again they've ticked boxes that we've wanted uh, we need to wait more boxes andy and then we'll have more of our wants and needs fulfilled sure well give me a centaur planeswalker Okay, cool. Right, yeah. Also, you just want your play, um, your werewolf legend, which is definitely already happening this year as well. Uh, you're going to have nothing to complain about by the end of the year. What the fuck if are you going to do? If I don't get a werewolf legend at the end of the year, I'm going to quit magic. <laughs> That's fair. I completely, I completely understand. <laughs> uh, I, if we don't get Ru- Runo, because everyone's like, oh, it's going to be Sorin get- marrying Olivia. I'm like, give me, give me the other progenitor. We've had Olivia. We've mm-hmm. had, we've had Sorin. We've had um, Anya. Give, give me Runo. Give me Runo Strongkirk. For the love of God, wizards, do it. Make it happen. So I yeah, want Bruno too, yeah. If people keep saying Sorin to me, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. No, no one cares about Sorin. He's like going to be the most doubt. Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be the most boring group. Imagine his speech at the wedding. It's going to be so fucking boring. Also, uh, what are we doing? We've gone, we, we, we have, we've gone from celebrating Strixhaven to complaining about a set that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> a set that I'm really so looking us. forward to. That's it's so us. Yeah, That's it was beautiful. magic play, isn't it? Fantastic. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> all right, I need to go and start drawing up plans for our Pokemon podcast. So I think we should Absolutely, cool. I like it. Um, awesome guys what almost certainly was the card that you enjoyed that we didn't talk about in this episode please let us know via our social media outlets Uh, that is twitter at mtflavoring my personal twitter is at andymanface Nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon emails go to uh, mtflavoring at gmail.com um, we haven't done this kind of call out for a while so we'll do it now if you are listening to this podcast and you enjoy this podcast whether you're a new listener or a long time listener um, please do tell your mates about it and tell your friends or people in your playgroup now that things are starting to open back up again the light 
I, I'm mm. still a bit more trepidous about it. I don't know yeah, if that's dubious. what uh, dubious about <laughs> it. But the idea of the light at the end of the tunnel is finally a- approaching. So hopefully LGSs and things will be able to open up their doors again. So if you've been listening to this uh, podcast over various lockdowns or whatever, tell your friends if they enjoy Fortho stuff. Or even if they mm. don't, because as soon as they hit play, we get the download number. So it doesn't matter if they listen all the way through. Um <laughs> Honestly. Cheers, cheers, thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Um, And also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, those reviews actually do matter. Um, Engagement, again, I think we said this before, isn't something we're always too hot about because we're already engaging with people we like. But, you know, let's play the game. If you want to review us, review us well, do it five stars, and leave a comment about how great we are because we're super awesome. Yep, I have nothing nothing to say against that. Awesome. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon.